Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. It's the Bob and Sherry Show. Seems like a waste of time, but sure, go nuts. What do I care? I'd rather go home. With Bob. Is he the worst? Is he an unspeakable abomination? Does the very thought of him make your skin crawl? Laughs at his own jokes, but otherwise he's a bad. And Sherry. Bad attitude, insubordination. She's not great. And now, broadcasting from the palatial Bob and Sherry studios, it's Bob and Sherry. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Are we counting down one week till Thanksgiving, I do believe? So listen. Um... Last night, I thought, let me make some pumpkin bread and freeze it because, you know, I, we have a house full of family and kids around the holidays and they like to eat that for breakfast. So I go to the store to get some canned pumpkin. And because my phone spies on me, I get home from the store and my phone serves me up. Hey, are you sure that's pumpkin and your canned pumpkin? And I just want to say that we are at a point in humanity and human civilization on the timeline of our species on this planet where all we want to do is be pissed off and fight with each other now now i'm being asked to entertain the possibility that canned pumpkin is a conspiracy and i just have to say no no i'm not at all interested in arguing with you about what is in canned pumpkin so I read the article just to make sure that there wasn't, you know, like it isn't Soylent Green. And it turns out that um, canned pumpkin contains pumpkin, of course, but it also contains squash. And that's because pumpkins are squash. And the kind of pumpkins that they make into canned pumpkin are called Dickinson pumpkins, which don't look like jack-o'-lanterns. Um, there's not really any kind of like scientific distinction between a Dickinson pumpkin and a freaking jack-o'-lantern pumpkin. It's just a different shape. And Libby's mm -hmm. has had to defend itself. You know, Libby's, the canned food company. Libby's yeah, yeah, has yeah. been forced because people are so terrible now and so suspicious and conspiratorial and angry. Libby's has had to come out with a defense and explain that there is 100% pumpkin in our canned pumpkin but we use this particular kind of pumpkin because it has a better taste and texture than other pumpkins. And if you want us to put jack-o'-lanterns in the can, we will, but your <laughs> pumpkin pie is going to taste like a dish sponge. <laughs> you're right. We've Some folks just have too much time on their hands. Come on. If you're buying canned pumpkin, do you really care that much? Apparently, Which type of pumpkin? Here, here's how bad this controversy is. Southern Living Magazine stepped up and said, oh, yeah, Libby's? 
Is that so? Well, we're going to have a canned pumpkin taste test. Oh, here and we they go. Did, and they did. And even Southern Living Magazine was forced to admit, oh, yeah, in a blind taste test, Libby's, Libby's was the best. Everybody liked it the best. <laughs> People, it, it, it's, it's canned pumpkin. It's a it's kind of pumpkin. pumpkin. It's not like they ground up, you know, raccoons and put it in there and passed it off as pumpkin. It's pumpkin. <laughs> Why do we have to fight over everything? Why? At one, at, because I think at one point, I don't know when it was, but it was within probably the last 20 years, there became an attitude in our wonderful country that somebody, something is always trying to screw you, no matter oh. what. And now you have the internet and you can call them out, whether it's a restaurant that doesn't have what you want on the menu, whether it's a new pair of shoes that they were a 10, but you know, you think they're a 10 and a half and this, this company should not make shoes anymore. We just want to get back at whoever is out there that we're pissed off at. I, I'm like people, if someone goes to the store and buys a can of pumpkin and makes you a pie and you say anything other than mm, delicious thank you you right. are something that rhymes with masshole you are unbearable <laughs> take a seat like no no i won't have it if someone and, and you know what we all have that one uncle in our family sherry would you make this pumpkin pie with uh you know like a can of libby's pure uh pumpkin uh, you didn't use a fresh pumpkin. <sighs> you know, I I think uh, uh, the people online that would be going after Libby's are probably women, because guys will eat just about anything. Uh, women still traditionally cook more than men do. I think that was the attack was probably uh, woman based. I will say that the comments on the canned pumpkin controversy, a lot yeah. of it are it's coming from these dudes who I'm not sure they knew their, I'm not sure they knew that you could make a pumpkin pie that Mrs. Smith's didn't already have in the freezer for you. Like there's a, there's this keyboard warrior troll thing where people want to weigh in on an opinion on something they don't even really care or know anything about. Are you kidding? I don't know anything about this. They they're just looking for a fight. Just looking for a fight. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Buddy. It's, it's a gourd. It's a squash. <laughs> they they skinned it. They steamed it. They pureed it. They packed it in a can. Your meemaw made you a pie. Shut up. Why is you know there what? anything the, more to If say? these are guys, the, these are guys that are campaigning against the impurity of canned pumpkin pie while they're eating Cheetos and drinking a Mountain Dew. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. And it's also... There, the, the the other level, because I I read through this, I could not believe my eyeballs while my while my mm -hmm. pumpkin bread was baking. And um, the other thing is, shh, the fact that most of us don't really know that there's more than one kind of pumpkin because we're so far removed from how food gets grown and made. Right, that's not something to brag about. No, shh, that's right. Just eat the pie. <laughs> Yeah, eat the pie. You're better off not knowing. It's Bob and Sherry, and straight ahead, I've got something for you. Who was the greatest songwriter of all time? 
Rolling Stone magazine is out with their list of the greatest songwriters of all time. Who's number one? It's straight ahead. This is Bob and Sherry. Bring whatever you drink and celebrate happy hour. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Live. Live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook Rolling page. Rolling Stone magazine just came out with who were the greatest songwriters of all time. And we're talking about basically the rock era, rock and roll in the 1950s up until right now. And usually I would start, you know, maybe number 10, but I think it's more interesting to see who's down the list a little bit, but still on the list as the greatest songwriters. So here is one of the songs from the number one greatest songwriter of the rock era. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Oh, wow, that's, this song's hard to argue with. It's Bob Dylan, and that's not going to have a story, of course, but the songs he had, like Blowing in the Wind, which was uh, maybe a number one song for Peter, Paul, and Mary, and all the other songs, Subterranean Homesick Blues, a lot of, a lot of the songs Max was saying, um, some folks don't know, but um, he has written and transformed, the, especially the lyrics of popular music. And Rolling Stone says he's number one. Number two, right behind him, is Paul McCartney. And speaking of Dylan, Bob Dylan said the only person that I'm in awe of is Paul McCartney because of the number of songs and the amount of songs. He is the number two greatest songwriter. Number three, his partner is John Lennon, of course. Um, Lennon also, I think, stretched lyrically what was popular music. Number four was the great Chuck Berry. Uh, he had songs of novelty, fun, and frolic, and just created that guitar riff that was stolen by how many rock players? Chuck Berry's number four. Number five, and back to Dylan again. Uh, Dylan called him the greatest poet in America at one time, Smokey Robinson, with just one song after another. <sighs> Smokey Robinson wrote My Girl. He wrote My Girl. By the Temptations, Get Ready, Mary Wells, My Guy, um, Marvin Gaye's Ain't That Peculiar, the tracks of my Tears of a Clown, I Second That Emotion. I mean, yeah. just the most amazing man in the world as far as writing songs. Right after that, it's Mick Jagger and Keith Richards together. Um, you forget sometimes how many songs they had that are hits. And isn't it amazing? 60 years later, they've got like a giant album. And it's out. They didn't tour over the summer. Um, uh, Jagger said, I just want a summer off. I never get a summer off. Uh, right after that, it's Carol King and Jerry Goffin. They were a husband and wife for a while. And they wrote uh, a lot of pop songs, uh, including Up on the Roof, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, uh, songs like that. Then it's uh, Paul Simon, who, of course, wrote so many beautiful songs. Joni Mitchell is right after that. Uh, we get to Stevie Wonder is number 10. Number 10. He deserves to be there. Right above him, Bob Marley is number 11. Brian Wilson, the genius of the Beach Boys. Uh, Rolling Stone has his number 12. And I'm so glad they put in Hank Williams. You know, I think a lot of people listening right now have never heard of Hank Williams, an actual Hank Williams song by Hank Williams. But, uh, boy, he had absolutely so many. Hey, good looking. I'm so lonesome I could cry. Just great, great songs. Bruce Springsteen is number 14. Finally. Yeah, Finally. Bruce Springsteen is number 14. Where's, he, he, he where's Paul Simon? Inherited. I mean, Paul uh, I just ran a by poet. him. He's like number, like number 10. 
Oh, yeah, okay. Simon's there, number 10. And then it's Eddie Holland, Lamont Dozier, and Brian Holland, who wrote so many of those Motown songs. You Keep Me Hanging On, I'll Be There by the Four Tops, just one after another. Three guys, two were brothers. Uh, one of Max's favorite is number 16, Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, some some very dark um, music, beautiful music, Canadian uh, artist. And here's another Canadian artist, Neil Young, is number 17. Oh, I thought you were going to say Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Prince is number 18. Why? And there's another one. I know. I thought he should have been a little higher on the higher. list. Um, and then I'm going to skip down to uh, a lot of folks don't know these guys. Uh, Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, they kind of created, uh, they, they wrote songs for Elvis Presley like Jailhouse Rock. Uh, Kansas City, On Broadway by the Drifters, just great pair. Then it's Lou Reed, who I think Sherry likes a lot, is number 21. Van Morrison, Brown Eyed Girl, and all those other great songs that he did is number 22, Tupelo Honey and all. I would not want to be the guy that told him on the Rolling Stone list that you're number 22, because I think I'd get a fist right in the face. Uh, he has quite the temper, I understand. Some other ones of note, uh, Dolly Parton is on the list, and I was oh, yes. I was glad to see that. Yeah, Dolly comes in at number 30, and then Merle Haggard, number 33. Michael Jackson is number 34 on the uh, Rolling Stone list of the best songwriters of all time. Uh, Bono and the Edge are number 35. This is all from Rolling Stone's Critics. And then uh, it goes on and on. The, the one that really, and I, I know I talk about him all the time, but I think John Fogarty should have been up higher with all the great songs like Proud Mary. He's number 40. What He's about Billy 40. Joel? Like, does Billy Joel make it onto this list anywhere? Um, I'm looking, and I don't. I see Neil Diamond at number 47. How about Elton John and Bernie Taupin? Yeah. Number 48. Boy, number you'd think 48. they'd be higher. Billy Joel is number 50. He is number 50. And then you have people like Willie Dixon, who helped to invent uh, R&B. The notorious B.I.G. is number 52. And Stevie Nicks at number 53. It's an interesting list. It is an interesting list, Christine and it's going to be subjective. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know what's next? Morons in the News. It's Bob and Sherry. Morons in the News is sponsored by Lowe's. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's knows pros. It's Bob and Sherry. The craziest. Moronic. Asinine. With morons in the news. Have you ever in your neighborhood seen a police car and it's there, you know, uh, afternoons, evenings? It's a take-home police car. Some cities have it, some don't. The police officer has assigned it, and it's his car. And, of course, if they need him, you know, in the middle of the night, he's got his car right there. And that's the situation with John Bruley, D.C. police officer John Bruley. Unfortunately, when John got into his cruiser at 3.30 in the morning, it was to go and help his girlfriend out who lived elsewhere because she was being arrested for obstruction of justice and uh, drunk driving. He heard about it, got in his car, put on the blue lights to help her out and arrived at the scene walked up to the arresting officers and told her, you're coming with me. The officers felt something was wrong 
and they figured it out and he was drunk driving his police car and so he got pulled he is now on leave and it looks like he's going to lose his police powers possibly, you know it's terrible it's terrible but chivalry isn't dead so there's the bright side <laughs> Yeah. It's just drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Lamar? Well, in Lebanon, Indiana, a 34-year-old man is under arrest after robbing a jewelry store and leading Lebanon police on a high-speed chase. Dispatchers received a call from McKay Jewelers. The caller stated that a man had stolen an undetermined amount of jewelry and fled. A Boone County Sheriff's deputy observed the vehicle fleeing and made an attempt to pull the vehicle over. When the car did not stop for police, Lebanon Police Department units joined the pursuit as the suspect then fled. According to officers, during the pursuit, the suspect began sticking his hand out the window and motioning to officers. So the suspect eventually hit a Thornton Police Department vehicle and they were able to box the suspect in and place him under arrest. When asked why he was motioning to the officers, the suspect was quoted as saying, I was trying to tell you that you're not supposed to pursue me. You are <laughs> not supposed to be chasing me. Oh. He was charged with criminal mischief, theft, <laughs> resisting law enforcement, possession of marijuana, reckless driving, leaving the scene of an accident, and operating a vehicle without a license, license and misunderstanding the TPD hot pursuit standards. Their hot pursuit standards is, we're going to chase you down and get you. He didn't think that was yeah. right, but they would not pay attention to his hand motions, and they still stopped him. <laughs> oh, they Let's were paying wrap- attention to his hand motions, believe me. <laughs> Let's wrap up in um, a small town outside Rome in Italy where a lion escaped from the circus and was roaming the city streets. The mayor and the police had to put out public warnings begging residents to stay at home while law enforcement and circus staff tried to capture the animal. We've got Mm. video, and there's nothing like seeing a great big giant lion just casually strolling down a darkened city street. Holy cow. It took five hours five hours for the lion to be located. They sedated the lion, and then they were able to capture him. The mayor said, the lion will be taken in hand by the circus staff. The lion's name is Kimba, by the way. (laughs) And the mayor said, then the mayor went on to say, listen, he said, I hope that this episode will stir people's consciences so that we can stop exploiting animals and circuses. I did not authorize this. I never said they could bring lions to our town, but I also didn't have the power to prevent it, and we're glad that no one, including the lion, was hurt. Wow, that's a politician taking a stand and not being all mealy-mouthed, isn't it? (laughs) We've got the video of Kimba strolling the streets. We're going to post it up on the Bob and Sherry Facebook. Coming up, comedian Nathan McIntosh and... Are you being spied on at work? And it may be way more 
than you ever dreamed. It's Bob and Sherry. YourMeowMart.com, a brand new online store featuring cat-themed merchandise for you or the cat lover in your world. Shirts, sweatshirts, phone holders, coffee mugs, and one-of-a-kind custom items. New items are being added every day. Every day. YourMeowMart.com. Check out the store. YourMeowMart.com. That's YourMeowMart.com. It's the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast. Oddcast on the free Bob and Sherry app. My wife thinks that I'm a very quirky person, you know, and when she says that, you know, the underlying thought is you're very lucky to have me. But, and I am, but she is very quirky too. She has a thing for squirrels. I've talked about this before. And she's feeding squirrels in the front and the back of the house. And she gets a big bag of peanuts and she sees how close they will come and hopefully take them right out of her hand. She actually has had squirrels jump on her lap while she feeds them. So she put out some cat food that we had and wanted to see if they were going to eat the cat food. Well, the dish would be empty in the morning. And she says, hmm, I think it's those crows. I want to find out who's eating it. Or maybe it's a raccoon. She went on Amazon and found this little camera. And the camera uh, will, you know, you can look and see who's out there. You can also, it has a microphone, you can talk in it, and it lights up. So it's got to be charged. Every, every unit in our house is charging somewhere. And she found one place to plug it in, and it's right next to my sink in the morning. I didn't see it there, because as, you know, she'll tell you, I'm oblivious to everything. I am not exaggerating. I got out of the shower with shaving cream on my face, and I'm shaving my face. She's looking at me shaving my face. She, <laughs> she, hit, she hit the alarm thing that goes, woo, 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 like that. I almost took my neck off. I oh almost God. took my neck off. And then the light came on, and this is what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing at me because I almost went through the ceiling of the damn bathroom. And then she came in and explained what was going on. And I said, Mary, you are one weird woman sometimes. One weird woman. But as long as those squirrels are fed... That's all she cares about. It's Bob and Sherry. Everyone Needs a Laugh is sponsored by the Banana Republic. Oh, it is time for Everyone Needs a Laugh. Here is comedian Nathan McIntosh. Hi, uh, it's so great to be here. I, I'm right now, I'm trying to figure my life out. Um, every single person I know is starting a family. I'm losing a lot of friends to babies. <laughs> I, I should actually say I'm losing city friends. I'm getting my small town friends back because their kids are now 18. People in small towns just start families younger, right? And of course they do. They're bored. There's nothing to do in a small town. I feel people in a small town just wake up one day and look at each other like, look, I don't know. You want to go see the trees again? We've already seen the trees. We counted them. We measured them. Well, we can make new people and show them the trees. One huge advantage, though, if you have a baby in a small town, you, you, have, a, you have space. You have a house and a yard. I have friends in this city that are having a baby in a studio apartment. An apartment so small that if they get too many groceries, they have to throw a chair out. The only good thing about a city apartment is your baby can't just wander off. You're not gonna lose them. Like, where's Chris? What do you mean, where's Chris? He's in the West Wing. What do you mean, where's Chris? Our oven and shower touch. 
I don't know that a lot of people are taking this. Everybody wants you to hold their baby, right? Every single person wants you to hold their baby. Why? It's the most precious thing you have. Why are you putting it in my hands? People will step over a glass coffee table covered in candles to hand you the most breakable thing they have. Nobody wants you to touch their phone. Not one person. <laughs> and... I honestly don't, it bothers me. I don't think a lot of people are taking it seriously because everybody says they're having a baby, right? Everybody says baby as if that's all it's ever going to be. Babies grow up. I really wish people said they were having a future adult because one day it's a baby and the next day it's a guy named Doug. And Doug is a grown man standing in your kitchen drinking your juice and he wants money. <laughs> There's, um, there's a lot of people that aren't ready to have a, a baby, right? So they get a dog as a training baby. And they call it a fur baby. And honest to God, if you call your dog a fur baby, do not have a skin baby. Because <laughs> you... <laughs> you're not taking this seriously at all. And having a dog might be harder sometimes. I have a tiny little chihuahua, and it's horrifying. I don't know if anybody's ever walked a chihuahua. It's scary. Walking a chihuahua is like walking a carton of eggs. <laughs> any single thing can go wrong. I gotta be on the lookout for other dogs, people, blowing leaves, everything. I don't think people pushing strollers are worried that a hawk is gonna come out of the sky <laughs> and take their baby. But I have vivid thoughts about chopping a bird out of the air. Like, not today, Hawk! <laughs> I just bought her that sweater. Which I never thought I'd ever be doing. I never thought I'd be buying a coat for a tiny little dog. I never thought I'd be in a store like, she'd never wear green, just pushing sweaters out of the way. But you have to get close for a chihuahua because if you take a chihuahua out in the cold without a coat, they freeze. They stop living right there. And then you're a maniac just dragging a frozen dog down the street. People are like, what happened? I'm like, what happened? She's supposed to be in Mexico. <laughs> also, when you get a dog, there's so many places you can't live anymore, right? Because so many apartments say no pets. And you want to get mad at a landlord, like they're just making up these crazy rules, but people ruined the pet's rule. Because most people, when they hear pets, are like, oh yeah, pet, like a cat or a dog. But some people hear pets, and they go, oh, python. <laughs> and then one day there's a 40-foot snake roaming the halls, trying to eat your neighbors because somebody doesn't know what a pet is. A pet is something that you can pet. <laughs> You, you put your hand on its head and you pet it. It's not a creature you fight with a stick back into a cage. It's not something you kick off a riverboat. It's not something a wizard puts on a staff. It's, it's a cute animal with fur, not something Samuel Jackson fought on a plane. There's so many apartments that say no pets. There's not one apartment that says no babies. Not one. And why? My dog is five pounds for life. 
You don't know what this baby's gonna be. This baby could grow into a six foot five smoker that steals packages. You don't know. My dog is doing nothing. She's sitting there, shivering, looking out the window for hawks. My name's Adam McIntosh. Guys, thank you so much. He's got his own thing. it up at bombsharing.com. Click the menu tab and look for Everyone Needs a Laugh. Now, straight ahead, you're stranded on a desert island. You're allowed to have one piece of recorded music. What is it? That's next. It's Bob and Sherry. Leave us a talk back. Talk back with the free Bob and Sherry app. A writer posed the question in the New York Times, if you had to go to a desert island, this is on the BBC. They asked their listeners, if you had to go on a desert island, and who knows how long you would be there, but you somehow had the ability to listen to music, what would be the pieces of music <clears throat> that you would take? Some of the celebrities on this show uh, were Yoko Ono, Daniel Radcliffe, and uh, some comedians, some actors, and all of them who were asked to be on the show and, and tell what their favorite pieces of music would be that they would take on a desert island, immediately responded to the request. All of the celebrities wanted to give their input. So why don't we do that right now? Let our listeners, in, uh, maybe they would uh, get a hold of us and uh, you know, call 844-52-SHERRY and tell us what their favorite music would be. I have mine, and I will start out, and then you, we'll go around the horn here, and you tell me what, if you were on this radio show with the BBC, what would you uh, take to a desert island? Mine would be the best of the Rolling Stones, is a compilation called Grrr, and it's like everything they've ever done that was moderately a, a hit. It's album cuts, but, you know, the big songs, too. Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, the best of Oscar Peterson, who's a jazz pianist that I just love. I just never heard anybody play piano like Oscar Peterson. Abbey Road, and the main reason I think Abbey Road would be the uh, song Because... And uh, finally, Stan Getz, who's a sax player. There's, there's more jazz on here. When I was thinking about this, I, I put down more jazz than I thought I actually yeah. liked. So, uh, so those are mine. What, what are yours, Sherry? Well, um, I'm going to start with KTEL Superstars Greatest Hits, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, because it's going to cover the whole like Casey and the Sunshine Band, you know, that whole era of music. Um, yeah. And that's cheating because that gives me like a whole bunch of artists. Uh, right, I would have right. to have Born to Run. Would mm-hmm. definitely have to have Born to Run because it, it's been the music of my childhood. I'm going to need um, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson, the, that storytellers thing that they did I, for VH1 yeah. back in the day, back in the 90s. I, 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 was, I forgot my Willie. I was going to put Willie's uh, Stardust. Go ahead. Well, I wanted, you know, I, I thought Stardust, because you got to have, you're sitting there on a desert island after right. you, you know, shake your groove thing, then you're right. going to feel kind of sorry for yourself and you're going to want some real, real heartbreak yeah. country music. That's how I right. ended up with Johnny and Willie. And I thought I was only allowed to have, I didn't realize I was allowed to have more than that. I thought I was only allowed to have three. So that's right. mine. Well, how that's, about you, Lamar? That's... All right. <laughs> you stole one of mine. Uh, the Willie Nelson Stardust album. I, Is that I could right? Just, I could just sit and listen to that and just, yeah. 
like that would be something I used to years ago. I used to put that on if I was going to go take a nap. I would yeah. put the Willie Nelson Stardust album on. It's great for mm-hmm. a nap. And mm-hmm. and then and I did think we were sort of limited to what we could take. But I was going to have that album, and then I would have to have. I just went ahead and picked one song that I would never get tired of, and that would be Smokey Robinson uh, tracks of my tears. Never get tired. Oh, of that that's song. interesting. That that's Never interesting. That what a song. great great song. Yeah, what a great writer and, too. And, and then while I'm sitting there feeling sorry for myself, I went ahead and picked some of my my favorite uh, gospel stuff, which would be uh, a, a band. That, uh, it's called Crowder. Uh, they've got one called Red Letters, and then Lauren Daigle. I'd have mm-hmm. a couple of her songs, oh, Still Lauren. Rolling Stones, yeah. and You Say. And I, between all of those, I think I could survive. Because I can yeah. sleep with right. Willie Nelson singing Stardust for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. Max, um, so I I thought this was songs. So, but I but I'm, I I re uh, uh, redid the list as we were talking. Um, Amy Winehouse's um, uh, <sighs> uh, the, the album Black? Black to Black. That Back one. To Black, I, I yeah. just absolutely. I never tire of that album. I can listen to it over and over. Uh, mm-hmm. John Coltrane's Blue Train. Mm-hmm. Um, I too have Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. I just listened to it yesterday. Um, really? Yes. It's so funny you say that. Um, yeah. Uh, Claire de Lune uh, by Debussy and mm-hmm. uh, U2's Joshua Tree. Those are great choices. They really are. If, you've ne- if you're a person, a young person possibly, that never heard Rhapsody in Blue, um, it's, just the, it's considered by some people the first... Uh, Modern music that's also a classical piece, uh, masterpiece. If you've and ever heard a United Airlines commercial, you've heard the end of it. Because yeah, they put it at the right. end of the United Airlines yeah, commercials. Yeah, yeah, it's his look at New York. And Doc, are you uh, with us there? Or are you off doing something else? Yeah, I'm what here. would you pick? Um, probably um, Earth, Wind & Fire, their Gratitude live album. Um, <laughs> Also, That's a great choice. Yeah. Also, some like greatest hits collection of Steely Dan, and then just for fun, uh, Sync, no strings attached. Oh yeah. There you go. Yeah, okay. You gotta get That's up and nice. move. Yeah. Isn't it weird how your thought processes change as you're hearing other people's choices and you're going, "Oh my gosh, I didn't even yeah. thought about like when he said Earth, Wind, and Fire." Man, right. when I was when I had an eight-track tape player in my car. I would put yeah. in the earth, wind, and fire. God, I could just listen to that over and over and over. It was great. It was great. Their songs were, were so uh, hooky and so different, like the difference between uh, That's the Way of the World and September. I mean, it's, it's almost like two different genres, you know, but they're, they're both just brilliant, brilliant songs. I was... Uh, I to, think... To, to, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. There it is. I was just going to say, all of you have made really great choices of what you're going to listen to while you're on that deserted island. I have added a fourth album after listening to all of you. I have added the Chipmunks, Urban Chipmunk, because it's going to drive me so insane I'm going to swim to land. That's very weird. I hope my island is close to y'all's because I could swim to y'all's island and listen to your music too. I wouldn't be mad. I'd, yeah. I'd be happy there with you y'all. Go. There you go. As soon as I, I hear it. the chipmunks on the third pass, I, I don't even know how to swim, and I'm heading for sure. I'm getting rescued. 
All it's right, Bob and Sherry. Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to bobandsherry.com. Listen, there is only one woman on earth who could pull off what I'm about to tell you. Only one woman that could state it and then make it happen. And she's currently defrosting for the holidays. I'm talking about our queen, Mariah Carey. You're Remember back in the, uh, around 2016 or so, she ended her engagement to Australian billionaire, or maybe he's a millionaire, I don't know, James Packer. Do you remember that period, yeah, that chapter yeah, in Mariah's right. life? Yeah. So they were together for a while. He gave her a ring that, I mean, I don't even know how she held her hand up. It was so huge. Mm-hmm. They ended the relationship, and Mariah charged Australian billionaire James Packer listen yeah girl yeah yeah a 50 million dollar inconvenience fee (laughs) (laughs) oh I forgot about that and why didn't I take a shot at that one a 50 million dollar inconvenience fee and I know what you're thinking I know you're thinking, oh, yeah, but she probably didn't get it. I mean, they broke up nine months after they got engaged. Apparently, they got on into a fight on a trip to Greece, you know, as one does. Um, and, and she ended the relationship. So she hit him with that $50 million inconvenience fee. Right. Because, um, as she said, he made her move across the country. She relocated her kids. He made promises to her. He did not keep. The engagement ring was worth $10 million, and she wanted to keep that. But mostly she wanted him to apologize for breaking up with her so publicly. She felt that he used her celebrity and her goddess status to make himself more famous and to boost his global business. So she took him to court. She took him to court for this $50 million inconvenience fee. Now, she didn't get the whole 50. She got 10. Okay. Did she really? <laughs> and the ring? 10 and the, ten ring. And the ring? That's what the story wow. says, yeah. Hey, you know, you know what she probably, I, I didn't see the lawsuit. I forgot about this until you just brought it up. I just love the uh, phrase inconvenience fee. You know what she probably had in the lawsuit? Because of him, I postponed appearances uh, that I could have done. I could have toured, but I, uh, you know, uprooted my whole life just to uh, just to marry this guy. And then he blows me off. You know, I'm sorry. I left money on the table because of him. You don't mess with Mariah. Sorry. No. An no. inconvenience fee. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, why didn't I know about the possibility of that? Because you'd have been on the wrong end of it, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. I'm a what? I'm an inconvenience. A lot of people on this show would be on the wrong end of it. I know. It's true. It's true. Why don't we, Why don't we hear this song? 
on the radio anymore. I never hear this song. And it was I don't know, but when I do, I yeah. crank it up. Yeah. If you have a dog, though, you shouldn't you shouldn't play this. She gets up so high. Right here, listen. I tell you what, boys. When I first heard this song, I did not understand what Mariah's vision of love was. And now I know it's a $50 million inconvenience fee. Yep. It's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry Books, Swag, and the Mother of All Mothers merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. Hey, something big, literally, is having its 90th anniversary. We What's have that? just hit the 90th anniversary of the first photo of the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, November shit. 1933, a guy named Hugh Gray took the very first photograph of something lurking in the Loch Ness. I've seen that picture. It, we all have. I yeah. can picture it right now. Yeah. Over the last 90 years, teams of investigators, hundreds of underwater photographers, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have tried to prove that there's something in the lock. The biggest search took place 50 years ago with 100 volunteers going out onto the water every single day and looking for it. And it all began with that photograph that's celebrating its 90th year. Now, there are people, there have been um, 1,155 official sightings, nine of them this year. Last month, on October 7th, um, the, that's the most recent sighting, a man on a bus spotted Nessie. So there are a lot of theories, and there are also a handful of scientists who won't rule it out, who say the lake is deep, and it's possible that there could be something in there that we have not yet identified. What do you think? I hope there is. I hope there is. I mean, it would be so exciting. That You talk about worldwide news. You talk about something that would pull people together. Finding Nessie would do that. I got my doubts. But that would be well, something. A scientist in New Zealand took water samples at all different depths from Loch Ness in June of 2018. And he looked at all the DNA that they pulled up in those water samples. And he said there's so many different kinds of eel DNA and eel can get pretty big. Nessie might be just a gigantic eel. So we'll see. Happy anniversary, Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. It's Bob and Sherry. Instant access to the podcast, podcast and fun side. Just download the free Bob and Sherry app. How did the world, I have seen things in, I don't know, the last 10 years that I don't think human beings saw since the beginning of time, certainly not from my childhood. I can't imagine what I saw at Sam's Club last Sunday was ever seen anywhere in the United States of America when I was growing up as a kid. Ooh. So let me Ooh. let me paint the scene. And I don't know what's happened to us, especially some of us guys. I don't know what happened in your life that that makes you the way you are, but you are a creature that I don't recognize from my childhood. <laughs> so we're at Sam's Club because we needed, you know, 950 rolls of toilet paper and 750 rolls of bounty. 
So we're in there and, and, and Mary's shopping around for a couple of things for my grandkids for Christmas and all. And I said, I'll, I'll meet you. Just call me. Right. I'm just going to wander around. And so it, it kind of got me in the Christmas spirit a little bit. I, I walked into Sam's and there are the artificial trees and they're all lit up and the giant displays of giant uh, 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 drive-in movie size television screens and they've got Christmassy stuff on it. And I went, wow. And, and then I heard the Queen of Christmas, Mariah, for the first time I heard that song on the loudspeakers at Sam's Club last Sunday. Yeah, I went, oh my God, there she is. There she is. This oh, is the first she time goes. she's going to be with us at least to mid-January. Oh, this is great. Look at look at that tree over there. It's all the different colors. I love the different colored trees like that. Oh, there's, look at that on the screen there. They got, they got a Christmas carol. Oh, that's so cool. And I'm looking at some of the stuff you can buy and everything. And I'm just in a really good mood. All the families are there getting stuff. They got their kids with them, kid after kid. And the shopping carts, uh, middle schoolers looking at stuff they'd like to have. It was really nice. Until that guy. I turned to my right to look at something, pushing a, ba- a carriage with a really pissed off look on his face is this tall guy. He's probably six feet two. He's about 30 years old, thin, and he's got a black t-shirt and it's a new black t-shirt because you know how black t-shirts go, right? You wear them once and you wash them and they start to fade. They don't look as cool. This is a brand new black t-shirt and with large black letters on the t-shirt with the children around, with all the Christmas stuff with Mariah Carey in large block letters, his t-shirt says, I don't need sex. The government blanks me every day. (laughs) Yes. I just cannot. I cannot imagine. (sighs) And uh, don't you want to just walk up to the guy and say, what do you think? Yeah. What are you thinking? You know what? Um, if I were John Wayne's size, I probably would. And if it were a different time when people aren't packing like they are now, I probably would. But I followed him around and watched the eyes of people. And especially especially the women, their eyes just froze on that shirt. And I know that's what he wants. I know he wants confrontation. Can you imagine in the 19, oh, I don't know, 50s, 60s, even the 70s, somebody walking around in public with that on? He Listen, thinks he's I'm clever. guessing, he thinks I'm he's guessing in the 80s, store security would have a word with you. I, you know, I don't know what happened to him there, but I was thinking, what does Sam's Club do? Because this is not a Sam's Club sort of guy. You know, it's just not. What do they do? Do they ask him, hey, sir, we got a uh, changing room. We'll, we'll give you a sweatshirt. You got to take that off, though. Or do they just let it go? Well, they don't do, have I the mean, you were there. Anything. Nobody did anything, right? Not as, not as far as I could see. I didn't see anybody approach the guy. Now, I wasn't, you know, stalking him, following him to see everything. I just wanted to see the reaction on some of the people's 
faces. And it's at Christmas, and it's on a Sunday, and there were children. The thing I think that got me the most was that there are kids there, right? Now, maybe the little ones, they don't know, but, you know, you take a kid, eight years old, six years old and up, they see that. As soon as they can some, read. Yeah, as long as they can read. And, you know, somehow, maybe in their mind, it's it's planted, it's okay to do stuff like that. But it's not. It's not. Especially on Sunday. And especially while Mariah Carey sings at Sam's Club. Please. Was that guy accompanied by, like, a family? Like a wife or kids or anything? You couldn't tell? He was him? not. He, he was solo. And yeah. you don't see solo males there very often. Because I, I was you know. by himself. Like, I, I am a very hands-off, like, wife. Like, yeah, you, you do you, boo. But he ain't yeah. leaving the house in that. Sorry. Not in that. No. Not yeah. unless the only version of that he wants is from the government forever. <laughs> he ain't leaving yeah, the house exactly. in that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to let that get, get me down. I'm still going to do Christmas this year. It's Bob and Sherry. Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to BobandSherry.com. I really don't want to tell this story. But I've got to tell it because if I don't, Carla will tell it and it'll even be worse for me. So I'm telling this. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Carla and I are supposed to meet my son, Clay, a week or so ago after church to go to a movie. Movies at 1145. So we get out, we get out early. So we decide to drive across town. We've got this great meat and vegetable restaurant. I mean, the food there is tremendous. It's world famous in the South. And, you know, it's hard to get into, but we know it's, they don't open till 11. So we go get in line. We stand in line. So we got seated at like, I don't know, eight or nine minutes after 11. So we sit down. I'm thinking, you know, because the service is really fast and we're going to eat this. We're going to meet him for the movie. Everything's going to be great. So we both order country fried steak. Their country fried steak is the best. It melts in your mouth. It's unbelievable. It's just fantastic. So we, we place our order. And so uh, we're waiting. Service is going to be quick. We know we're not, you know, we're going to have plenty of time. But we're sitting there and we've been sitting there for like 20 minutes and we still don't have our food. Now, the guys, he's taking our order and they've brought us some bread and uh, got our drinks and whatever, but we're still waiting. And so people that were set when we were and people that were set after we were, have already got their food. Some of them, in oh. fact, have already ate and they're leaving. The clock's ticking. Oh, wow. We got to meet Clay. And Carla and I are talking about it. And so I'm assuring her. I said, look, 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 it's no big deal. Uh, when when the door opens up and everybody gets his first seating, it just it takes a while to get the food out. It, it just takes a while. It's nobody's fault, especially our waiter. He's doing a great job. You know, we're fine. And so Carla she sees the waiter and so she puts up her finger and I'm like, Carl, do not, do not get onto the waiter. Do not ask him. This is embarrassing. Don't do it. He can't do anything about it. If you ask him, I'm going to be embarrassed. I, I'm going to the car. I am not going to sit here while you rake this kid over the coals because we hadn't got our food. And she goes, I'm not going to do anything, you know? So he comes walking over and he says, uh, I am so sorry. My manager has just told me we're out of cube steak. Well, I had a lot of pressure on me. We're, we're 15 minutes away from the theater. We're sitting here. It's 1140. We still don't have our food. And I'm like, what? what? I throw down my cornbread muffin and I suck. I said, we're out of here. 
this is this is ridiculous. We, we're gone. Yes. We're out of here. I mean, I, yes. and I look at the guy and I say, how can you have country fried steak on the menu and you run out of it in 30 minutes? Yes. And, and I'm just like freaking out. And Carl's like, Lamar. Get and she's like, Get what's wrong with you? You're embarrassing me. People are staring. And I said, well, evidently they didn't order the country fried steak. That's what we ordered. And they're out of it. I'm running out of time. I got no country fried steak. And the waiter says, now listen, because of the mix up, the manager is going to comp your meal. And I'm like, well, that's really nice, but I ordered country fried steak. I was set up for country fried steak. Now I don't have it. He goes, well, what can I bring you? And Carla goes, we're not leaving. Order something else. And I said, well, bring me the chicken. And so Carla's sitting there at the table. And she's just mumbling, Jekyll and Hyde. He's like Jekyll and Hyde. Being with you is like Jekyll and Hyde. You're telling me, you're trying to tell me to calm down. And now you flipped out. Everybody is watching you. And so now here I am, and I realize what I've done. So I'm cramming fried chicken and field peas in my mouth with both hands. I'm looking at my watch. I'm apologizing to the waiter. I'm over-tipping him like crazy. Okay, I basically, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm paying what I would have paid for the meal for him. I said, I'm so sorry. He goes, no, 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 it's my fault. No, it's not. Shut up. Just take the money. You know, so we were, oh, it was terrible. Oh, man. It was terrible. Oh, God. You know, and, though, and, and, you, and listen, you need... all I heard all the way back was Carla. She goes, don't you if I if I jump up and slap a waiter, I don't want to hear nothing from you because you ain't got no business telling me. to. Come. Oh, man, it was terrible. And I never do I, that. I don't. I, I think that you need to write a thank you letter to the uh, manager of that place because he probably extended both your lives by running out of country fried steak. <laughs> If you've ever had All, this country fried steak, Bob, you would not say that. It's unbelievable. So it let me be. let me make sure I understand, because I'm pretty sure that country fried steak is a piece of steak that's been battered and fried like it's a piece of chicken and then served with gravy, and, and, right? And then it's been, but as it has been fried, it's been put into the gravy and it sets and it lives in the gravy until you get it. And when they put it on your plate, listen. You don't need a knife. In fact, you could cut it with your straw if you wanted to. I mean, you just the the if you if you're not careful when you push your fork through that country fried steak, it'll bang against the plate because it's so tender. How do you? I would bang. I would bang against the plate with my head if I had to eat that. I'm just telling you that. You just don't know. You don't. We don't know. know. You're right. We don't know. know. I cannot that is believe very you know Lamar. what that was? That was hangry. That's what that was. That was hangry. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Oh, she's I'm got getting, that I'm over you. I'm getting texts from Clay. I'm, I'm getting texts as Clay saying, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And I'm like freaking out. It's too much pressure for me. Too much pressure. Yeah. Hey, it's Lamar. very on Lamar. <laughs> yes. For the rest of your life on this planet, she's got that on you. And it will yep. never yeah, weaken. Will It'll it go, never yeah. diminish. No. Never let it go. You Never threw let it go. down in a crowded restaurant <laughs> over country fried steak. <laughs> it's Bob and Sherry. Can You Believe This is sponsored by The Crown on Netflix. The Crown's final season will premiere in two parts. Part one on November 16th, part two on December 14th. Only on Netflix. You read it once. I 
I don't believe that. And then you read it again. I can't believe this. It's Bob and Cherry's. I believe this. Shit. I cannot believe this. I came across something so interesting about the way people. Um, make decisions about who they're going to commit to and marry. And it all has to do with rituals. And it's really an interesting thing to talk about right now because we're coming into the holiday season. They looked at 48 people in 24 couples and they studied them for almost three years. And they said that in general, when you're dating, rituals play a huge role in slowing down or speeding up the relationship. And around the holidays, rituals involving the other person's extended family can be a huge factor in how serious the relationship gets. So it's not the only thing that matters, but people that are not, they haven't been together a super long time. And, you know, it feels like it might be, we've all had a situation where you're dating someone and you think, wow, this could maybe be something, right? We've all been there. So, you know, you, you meet each other's families over the holidays, you see the way um, these other families interact. And all of this stuff is stuff we take for granted, you know, having Thanksgiving dinner with someone that you've been dating for a while or meeting their whole extended family over the Christmas or Hanukkah holidays or whatever. So in the movies, you get invited to like, let's say it's a Hallmark Christmas movie. In the movies, you get invited to the handsome lumberjacks Nana's house for Christmas. And it's the most magical Christmas ever. They're making gingerbread cookies. They're singing Christmas carols. They're having bonfires. Oh my gosh, it's just the greatest. But in reality, think about times you've gone to someone's family members for a holiday and it wasn't like that at all. Drunken Uncle Jimmy was letting some inappropriate stuff fly. Maybe there was an argument in the kitchen and everybody was tense. Think about all of the things that happen in real life versus the movies when you're in that situation. I've only had a few awkward moments with meeting uh, people's parents or, you know, brother and sister, whoever, maybe cousins. One of them was the brother who uh, just had a couple of beers and walked right up to me and asked a very pointed question. I think we all know what that pointed question is. And um, the other was just a weekend at a, a very, very um, civilized and successful retired parents' home. And I was, I think I mentioned, I was uh, in the little guest cabin out back by myself. I got to say, what I would not give today to be put in the guest cabin out back for a few days. Tell me about oh, it. I know. Tell Yo, me about it. God, that just sounds amazing. Well, what they found was that couples um, that have been dating for about nine months, mm-hmm. the decision to go forward and, and think about marriage on both sides, men and women, was really, really impacted by what happened with these holiday and family rituals. There are people that were very like in a relationship and pretty serious about it. And then they went home with him or her for the holidays and came back and went, "Uh uh-uh, I'm done here. I wonder what sort of uh, interactions caused something like that. A lot of it was conflict. I'll be honest. Let's say that I'm single and I'm dating some guy and I go to his house and I... And the way, and there's conflict, and the women are being spoken to in an ugly or disrespectful way. I would be looking at him and going, "Hmm, so this is what you've learned." It, like it would change my. I'm not saying it would that end would the relationship. Never- 
because that would people never can it i'm not saying it would people can like look at how like they were raised and go in the opposite direction but it would cause me to slow like this study says people really slow down the speed of the relationship if things don't in your go case, so that well. would never happen and here's why you would not take somebody home without already having discovered that he was that guy you you would know you would know if he was very that observant guy. yeah if he was that guy but still yeah. you know you can see some stuff happening in families that would make you hesitate oh, now yeah. if you're if you're codependent and kind of doormatty, you go, well, you know, oh my God, your dad was having a human sacrifice out in the yard, but you seem nice, right? <laughs> but other people, other people make different decisions. It's Bob and Sherry. The Bob and Sherry website. The Oddcast. Contest info. BobandSherry.com. Okay, I need to be in the cone of safety for what I'm about to say. Cannot be criticized because I am in the cone of safety. Mary has done a fabulous job decorating our Christmas tree, all the colored lights. It's up already. We have the garland and everything looks just so beautiful. We had a friend come over for dinner the other night and after dinner we went into the living room looking at the tree with a glass of wine and all of a sudden she got up and she started putting tinsel on the tree. On this beautiful tree with the fantastic collection of ornaments that we have and my friend is saying, Oh, you're going to put tinsel on. I love tinsel. And Mary's smiling. We've never had tinsel on the tree before. I can't stand tinsel on a tree. I just don't <gasps> like it. Why? I think it, I think it made her tree look cheaper. I just didn't like it. And I kept thinking about the Seinfeld Festivus piece where Jerry, Jerry Stiller talks about that. Do we have that right now? And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. That's exactly how I feel. And I couldn't say anything. I just, now all I can see is the tinsel. And if any of her friends are listening right now, do not say anything. I, I don't know what to do. It's going to be with us for the next two months. So I is it the individual... It the individual strands of tinsel? It's just the, when, when they're all put on, when they're all put on, it just, to me, takes away from the beauty of the lights and the ornaments that we got when we've traveled over the last 14 years and everything. I don't know what to do. I guess I just have to suck it up for this year. Hey, just be thankful in this gratitude season that you no longer have a cat because long oh, yeah. after that, or a dog in the well, because Finn yeah. won't. Finn's a good dog. He won't. No, but I know what um, the results are sometimes when few, you eat it. Mm. A few years ago, when the girls were younger, they desperately wanted to throw that tinsel on the tree, and I was like, "Yeah, but you need to understand what's going to happen." Oh, the backyard was merry and bright. <laughs> yeah, for a while. That's right. Bit after so the anyway, holidays, hush. Like, Hush, hush, hush. Say nothing because I can't either. It's Bob and Sherry. It's Bob and Sherry, the podcast. So I was standing in my kitchen last night and um, thinking about, all right, what am I going to do? for? I like to do something different every year for Thanksgiving. I mean, obviously you have Thanksgiving food, right? But maybe yep. instead of, you know, just pumpkin pie, I'll do pumpkin pie and maybe a pumpkin cake or something like that, right? 
So as I'm scrolling um, through my recipes and thinking about how I want to go about it, it suddenly hit me that I know a lot about your family Christmases when you were a kid, Lamar. But I don't think we've ever talked about your family Thanksgivings. Did you, was it just you and your parents and Troy, your brother? Did you guys go somewhere? Like you've never talked no, about that. No, we've always, we always had Thanksgiving at home. And we might have a one of my uncles and, and his wife come over or something. But it was pretty condensed. And there was always, you could count on this. My mom we, one of our staples for Thanksgiving is fruit salad. Okay. Now I don't want you to confuse that with ambrosia. Ambrosia is some sort of thing that people put raisins and coconut into. <laughs> I don't know what, what's going on there, but that's ridiculous. Okay. Here's what my mom did. She took oranges, apples, bananas, and grapes and pecans. And she would cut up the fruit in little bitty pieces. And then she would put the pecans in there. And then she would mix it up with some mayonnaise. And it became the greatest thing ever. So she would make two gigantic bowls of it. So while she was cooking lunch, she would give me and Troy one of the bowls. And we would split it. And we would eat fruit salad all Thanksgiving morning waiting on Thanksgiving dinner. That was always a big deal. The fruit salad was the big deal. And of course she had cornbread dressing and turkey. And, you know, we had the, the regular staples and it was pretty much the same every time. Sometimes now she and my mom always made fresh homemade biscuits, which for people that don't get fresh homemade biscuits is exciting. I got fresh homemade biscuits anytime. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it was, it was, it is exciting, okay. especially when they're good. Yeah, yeah. 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 But if you have them every day, I mean, my mom at the drop of a hat, man, she's whipping them biscuits up. Boom, boom, boom. I had an aunt, and when she came over, she bought brown and serve rolls. My mom never bought a brown and serve roll. When she brought those brown and serve rolls, I mean, just the standard brown and serve. Oh, God. It was the greatest thing ever. But then her boys would come over and they would see these biscuits. And so they never got bit. So it's all about what you don't get. You know what I'm saying? But everything was always comfort food. We didn't get out of out of bounds on anything. It was green beans. It was, you know, turkey and dressing. It was that wonderful cranberry sauce in that can that's got the <laughs> rings around it so you know where to cut it. It jiggles when you put it on the plate. Yeah, I love that. I'm always um, fascinated by the thing that makes a family's Thanksgiving. Like for you, it's fruit salad, which I would never yes. have guessed in a million yes. years. And the things that are on other people's tables and the things that are missing from other people's tables. So like, for example, I grew up with mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes for Thanksgiving, both, right? Mm -hmm. Mashed potatoes, mm -hmm. sweet potatoes. My husband grew up with rice and not mashed potatoes. Hmm. And, and I've got no fight with rice. I like rice. I like rice. But did you just dare to suggest to me that we have turkey without mashed potatoes? Are we, are we being punished? Yeah. And gravy. Have we, have we yeah. done something wrong? Because you always so, had to make the pool for the gravy. Always. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So a gazillion years ago, Kevin and I have been dating for about a year and my children were spending Thanksgiving dinner with their dad that year. 
And, um, you know, I had the brave face on um, all morning until he picked them up. He, I waved, bye, have fun, have so much fun. I love you. Have a great time. Happy Thanksgiving. As soon as that car was out of the driveway, I dissolved into a wretched, grieving, <laughs> sobbing heap of despair. Yeah. I did. I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just a mess. So I had, um, Kevin knew that the girls were going to be at their dad's. And, and like I said, we'd, we'd been seeing each other for about a year. So it wasn't like, you know, we were married or living together or anything. And he said, if you want, um, my parents are, I'm going to go to my parents for Thanksgiving. If you want, why don't you come over after, you know, he gets the girls? Well, what I really wanted to do was put on my pajamas and yeah. just feel sorry for myself for the rest of the day and night. You know how sometimes you just yep. want to wallow yeah, yeah. in it? Yeah. Yep. But I was like, no, you shouldn't do that. That's not good. This is your life and you have to accept these things and you must pick yourself up and get yourself together. And so I did. I drive over there and we eat Thanksgiving at dinner time, like at 6 p.m. Pretty much everybody else I know eats Thanksgiving sometime around lunchtime, if not sooner, right? So I wasn't used to Thanksgiving dinner being served at noon, and it was. And, of course, I got there late, and they knew I would be late. They knew I wouldn't be getting there till like, 3 o'clock. So they were going to save me a plate. So not only am I not having a pity party, I'm going to someone else's house for Thanksgiving, but they've already had dinner. So you see where you see how this is difficult, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but that said, you know what? I'm still I'm still going to do it. And um I get there and they have saved me a plate. But their Thanksgiving food wasn't like what I was used to. There was rice, but no mashed potatoes. There was no sweet potatoes. There were green beans. Um and there was apple pie, but not pumpkin pie. And it was all very, very delicious. But, and, and I'm, I was in such terrible shape. It was out of context. Shape. It was out of context. And I was in such yeah. terrible shape that day. And, you know, I come in and I say hello to everybody. And, oh, sweetie, we fixed you a plate and all. And Kev wanders in to keep me company. And I'm already, like, a ruin about my girls. And now I'm like... Did you eat all the mashed potatoes? What? We, we don't eat mashed potatoes. <laughs> I, I don't have my children or mashed potatoes. <laughs> and the moral of this story is, you got to sometimes bring your own carbs, folks. Because people yep. have different ways. And they have different traditions. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if the holiday for you is fruit salad or mashed potatoes or whatever, you're going to somebody else's house, best load you up a Tupperware. Because that's right. going to be, that's going to be the way Dang you're going to have to roll. Right. It's Bob and Sherry. At the Bob and Sherry store, we know the holidays are coming. So don't wait to the last minute. Then you'll straight be bumming. We have all the swag that we know that you love with travel mugs and coffee mugs, water bottles, chug, 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 Bob and Cherry store. It's really the bomb. It's open 24-7 at bobandcherry.com. The shipping is for free. Spend over $75. Come on down to the Bob and Cherry store. Give us a holler. 
Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to BobandSherry.com. We're thankful for teachers who support, guide, and mentor in and out of the classroom. If you're a teacher or you know one, you can nominate them at BobandSherry.com to win a vacation to Florida. Weekly winners are chosen to win Bob and Sherry swag, and they're nominated to win the monthly grand prize from Visit Florida, a three-night vacation for two to Margaritaville Beach Resort, Fort Myers Beach, plus round-trip airfare and vehicle rental. Nominate a deserving teacher at BobandSherry.com. So we were just chatting about how Thanksgiving for you is what you grew up with. And that becomes your idea of the holiday. So for Lamar, it's his mama's homemade fruit salad. For me, like, I just don't understand what the heck turkey's doing on a plate without some mashed potatoes sitting next to it. Like, I just go ahead and have rice, too. I mean, eat a handful of store-bought croutons while you're at it, Miles Standish. But we need to have some mashed potatoes on that plate. And Max mentioned during the break that this year, because Max is a really good cook, this year, he will be attempting cornbread dressing. That's mm. correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. because my girlfriend and her brother uh, both said, you know, our mother used to every year make this cornbread dressing. So I am going to attempt to do that this year. And then she told me she'd make the cornbread days in advance so it would dry out a little bit. So then Lamar, yeah. that was his tip to me. So, I, you know, I've got it. I've got it. I'll get it. I'll make sure that that's what I'm going to do with that. But I'm looking forward to making that. And then you have to mix it up with the celery and all that other stuff, the onion. Well, the great thing about cornbread dressing is cornbread dressing is like, um, well, he's a lot like my first husband. It can go a lot of different ways, right? You can do a cornbread dressing with dried fruit, like dried apricots in it. And and all of the other savory stuff, the celery, the onions, a little bit of carrots, maybe even some minced parsnip and chicken stock. And you throw some dried apricots in that bad boy and some dried cranberries. Mm, mm, that is a nice surprise. Ooh, or cranberries. That yeah, I like yeah. The dried oh cranberries really sounds good. I'm telling you because you're, you're getting a bite of savory and a little hint of sweet. And dried cranberries yeah. and apricots have like a kind of a, a vibe to them that is a little bit just a, it has a little bit of an edge. So it's just not pure candy yeah. tasting. Or you can saute up some sausage and mix that in with your cornbread dressing um, and add some chopped roasted pecans and some cranberry, dried cranberries. And that's amazing, Max. Like there's a lot you can do with cornbread because your cornbread has a different flavor, texture, everything than regular um, dried bread or God help us, people use croutons, which (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, my daddy might've been a meth cook. And my mama might have been a little bit checked out, but the rest of the women in my family grabbed me by the hair on the back of my head and said, girl, there is no excuse for not making your own dressing. Get that bread out. Let it dry. Chop it into pieces and get going. My mother would cook it in the turkey, which we've talked about many times in the show that it's like a recipe for salmonella, maybe. So the last time my mother did it, she did that. And all I could think was, I hope we don't all end up sick. You know what, though? A little bit of salmonella along the way, I think, gives you some 
things to fight. It's like snake venom. They give you just a little bit of snake venom to cure <laughs> the poison. I think if you get a little bit oh of salmonella God. as you go, I, this may be, hey, I think this should go on my list of scientific facts that should be true. You train this yourself is, on salmonella. You train yourself. This is some of Lamar's backwoods moonshine science here. <laughs> Just say it. I think also it's an opportunity, I guess, with the salmonella to drop a few pounds during the holidays oh, rather <laughs> than putting a few pounds on during the holidays. That's Remember, my mom. Rem listen, my, my mom used to make a German chocolate cake, and I'm telling you, it's the greatest ever. There's no better cake. But they get down to them last couple of pieces, and you might get a little bit of mold. You know what I'm saying? Just that little bit. Of, and, and I'm like, well, mom, I can't eat oh, dear this. God. And she oh, said, dear God. What do you think they make penicillin out of? She said it's made out of mold. Cut you a piece of cake. I think you have to be careful with the mold. I really do. Oh, I can remember one year we had the neighbors come over for Thanksgiving, and my mother made <laughs> apple pie. And my mother was a really good cook. So she made apple pie, but she bought a pumpkin pie. And I remember the neighbor came over, and she said, um... She said, uh, yeah, what kind of pie do you want? Do you want apple or you want pumpkin? And the neighbor said, is the pumpkin homemade? And my mother said, yes, it is. And I knew damn well she bought it at the store. <laughs> but it was a rude question. You don't ask that. Either you take yeah. the pie or you don't take oh, the pie. Oh, you don't. That's exactly right. Are you too good for a bulk pie? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, what kind of animal would ask that for if it's, is it homemade? Because I'm not eating store. A neighbor oh. that was never invited again. Oh. Yeah, I can understand why. Let me cut you, you a piece to go. <laughs> something, something I think about every Thanksgiving. We had a listener who went to like grandma's house, and all grandmothers reach an age where they're like Lamar. They're like, ah, a little salmonella never hurt anybody. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. come on. And Mamma had a crock pot of something that had not been properly stored and mm. the entire mm -hmm. family mm -hmm. went down. Mm -hmm. The entire family went down. The house had one bathroom. People were out in the yard. And when that, that is, I know, so that's part of my Thanksgiving tradition is to remember that story and shudder. Yeah, I remember. Oh, it's Bob and Sherry. Now, let's open up the Bob and Sherry Archive Vault. We work in a building where we're, we share space with a television station, a video production company, and another radio station. Our company does not own the building. It is owned by another company. And we don't have enough bathrooms in the building. We're an under-bathroomed building. And usually that's not a problem because, you know, people work different kinds of hours here. But the bathroom closest to the studio um, it's been like, a, it's not even like a secret because I've posted it on Facebook. I'm constantly having to change the toilet paper in every bathroom I go in to the point where one of our listeners sent me a baggie with all of the commercial industrial toilet paper dispenser keys to make my job easier. And I'm very grateful for that. <clears throat> now, when they installed the new bathroom, the company that owns the building went to like uh, a home improvement store and put a bathroom, a toilet in that you would use in like your powder room at home. This is a commercial environment. The bathroom I'm talking about is in the lobby. So everyone who comes into this building to visit, and that's a substantial number of people, plus all the people that work here, use that bathroom. And the 
toilet, there's something wrong with it. And if you look at um, my Facebook or Instagram, you'll see that we spent last night at my house fixing plumbing in my rental house. Um, the toilet, it every time you need to flush it, you have to take the lid of the tank off, roll up your sleeves, reach in, and manually monkey with the phacoctus so that the tank fills back up so that you can flush again. Now, um, I've been doing this, fixing the toilet in the lobby for months. But sometimes, see, I'm actually on the air. And I don't have enough time during like the Maroon 5 song to go fix the toilet and make it back to talk into the talkie machine. <laughs> so this morning, I go into the lobby bathroom. And I have to tell you, I have what can be best described as my shorties in a knot because something happened earlier this morning that really crawled all over me and that got me kind of cranky. And then I go in and once again, we have to fix the plumbing. So I'm a, I'm a social worker and I'm a very chill person. I'm a pacifist. I've realized that I had to take the tank apart and fix it again this morning. I threw back my head and screamed, and this is in the lobby I am not a mother plumber. And then I kicked that. Then I slammed the door, came back in here. I'm quitting this job. And I wrote um, what I think is a helpful sign about the toilet and just went in and pasted it up on the wall. If I have to personally go to Lowe's or Home Depot and fix that bitch, I will. But I'm going to need to get paid for that. This is not a civilized way for people to live. Well, we need to. Um, I'm going to take some time off. We need. No, I'm going to take some time we, we, off. No, I really well, think I need that, to. We, uh, that's not going to be yeah. possible. Um, we just need to have a better um, lawyer with our contracts. No, I'm telling you. I'm going to tell you right now. And, and make sure that there's a clause in there that says that Bob and Sherry do not have to do the plumbing. In addition to <laughs> right, I'm saying this right the now. Show. And I hope the people that own this company are listening. If you don't fix that toilet by Monday, I'm a camper. I'm peeing in the shrubs by the main entrance and I'm tweeting yes. it. Yes. Right there. Todd, you know what? We'll you know, Facebook we're gonna, live I was it. Say, we'll Facebook we will live Facebook it. live it. If you expect me to be the plumber around here, then I, like the bears, am going in the woods and I'm doing it on Facebook live. Hey, Darla, our program director, just tweeted to, over to me, is she really going to do that? That would help with our numbers. <laughs> I'm serious. I am so weary of this. And there's no, there are no, there are no people, there's nobody in charge. And the person who like, who, who like takes care of the building, it's not his fault. No. He's, he has no power to change this. Maybe. This is our lobby. This is where the people that come to visit this building. So now, like, sometimes we have senior citizens who come in for community meetings. Hey, Grandma! <laughs> <laughs> I hope you... <laughs> Grandma! Take your wedding ring off. <laughs> if you had the large coffee, I hope you brought your channel locks. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like a nice watch, Grandma. You might want to take that off before you go in there. Hang on, let me get Kathy at the front desk. Kathy, Peggy here's too old to lift the tank by herself. Can we get an extra set of hands in here? I can't live like this. I can't. We'll have it written. We'll get a good lawyer. We'll have it written into our next contract. That's all. Are you okay? Are you gonna be all right? You can't go on. Bob, 
I'm threatening to pee in the woods. Do you think I'm okay? <laughs> I am telling you, if it got big numbers on Facebook, oh uh, yeah, they'd say, oh, that's fine. That's you know, fine. The bushes out front, they've cut back on the watering on them, so you know, that might help. I mean, it's, there's, there's, well, I am not asking It's a for, lot to ask for the, uh, yeah, for a performer. I'm not asking for a yeah. big potato bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking for unreasonable things. This is still America. It's 2016. Can we have indoor plumbing at this radio station? Are, are, you, are you asking for them to reopen the cafeteria here? No. Are you asking for, like, a bar with free wine and no, beer on Fridays? No. Yeah. What are you asking for, then? Well, I'm not asking for a 401k match. I'm asking for indoor plumbing. <laughs> this, by the way, is Bob and Sherry. True. Weird. Stuff. Decades before an old, rundown, haunted house in Indiana was torn down, it was the beautiful home of Dr. and Mrs. Wilson and their son, Aesop. In 1861, Aesop lost his life while serving in the Civil War. His grief-stricken mother had her son's casket returned home and kept it in the house for 12 years. Was the house haunted by Aesop's ghost or was it haunted by sorrow? Because a mother's love never dies. True. Weird. Stuff. New episodes drop every Friday, everywhere you get your podcasts. Bob and Sherry Books, Swag, and the Mother of All Mothers merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. Ooh, I stumbled into a really interesting little rabbit hole. It's like, it was a bunch of comparisons in terms of time. So let me give you an example. Betty White, the beloved Betty White, she was born before BMW ever manufactured a single car. And Charlie Chaplin which is some, someone you associate with the olden times of silent movies. Yes. He was alive when Star Wars came out. He could have watched Star Wars. I want you to think about that. Now, here's another one. If the movie Back to the Future, which is one of Max's favorites, had yep. been set in the year 2020, Marty would have traveled back to the year 1990. And the song <laughs> he'd have played at the school dance probably would have been smells like teen spirit <laughs> oh Tra- ow, <laughs> ow, ow. Tra- tra- traveling back in time to 1990 just made a whole bunch of people get vertigo right when yeah. the pyramids of egypt were built woolly mammoths still walked the earth the pyramids were built um about a thousand years um the, the woolly mammoths still had about a thousand years when the um, pyramids were built. Here's another trippy one. Christopher Columbus lands in the New World as Leonardo da Vinci celebrates his 40th birthday. Wow. Whoa. 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 Um, this is something I talked about in one of my True Weird Stuff episodes. George Washington, the great general of the American Revolution, our first president, and the face looking at you on every dollar bill, never knew that dinosaurs existed because the first dinosaur fossil was found 25 years after he died. George Washington did not know there was any such thing as That's a dinosaur. Amazing. God, that is yep. amazing. And hey, you know Nokia, the mobile phone company? Yes. Well, it started out 
as another company making other kinds of products. And Nokia was founded the same year that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. Time is a mind-blowing thing to consider, isn't it? Yes. There you go, everybody. It's Bob and Sherry. Thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast, the Oddcast and Talking Lamar. We would love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review, and maybe share it with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again so much for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.